Let's start out in prayer. Father, in your name, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your mercies. God, into your hand I commit my spirit, heart, soul, mind, and body as you use us as the oracles of God to do your will and your bidding here today. Father, we ask you, Lord, to give us all ears to hear what your Holy Spirit would say unto the, to us today, God. Give us open ears, open hands, and open hearts to receive and do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Normally when I open a session, if it's a person that necessarily doesn't want Christian counseling, uh, ask their, just, I don't know, I'm not sure if they've been referred to me, and I get their permission. But since it says faith and mental health, I figure already we have your permission to pray. <laughs> all of the education in here I I don't usually get intimidated at in, in anyone but I say I'm a little apprehensive today and uh, we thank you for being in here and we'll see what the Lord has for us and we've tried to plan and and give you uh, something of worth uh, for one reason, as we'll get into in just a moment, you are very worth it. For those who don't know me, some may confuse my silence for other things, but I'm that person that all my life, if I can be in a corner by myself, I would be happy. And uh, I only talk because I have to. But when I start talking, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> so I'm that guy. Let me make sure. INFJ, help me out. Oh. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. That's just what I prefer. But you know, with what with what we do, we have to talk. And by nature, with that empathy, I think that kind of runs in the family. My family, we're empathizers, and that's a lot of discerning that goes on with that naturally um, as far as that's concerned but uh, I tend to be have been a, a natural listener so uh, so anyways we have this up here and I my education is in theology I have leadership and counseling also I'm a master professional coach as well uh, we also have a counseling service that we have and uh, we do see patients, clients, however, counselees. And uh, we also deal with uh, cognitive training uh, in regards to that, and that's uh, part of what we do. And so what we look at here is, is a, oh, let's go back. The word of God is full of a lot of things that we need 
but it just it helps when we have appropriate knowledge training and which we'll get into uh, to be able to appropriate the word of God and to where we can use it in an effective way in the way that it was meant to be used and those who are in here who are of higher education have tapped into those things no doubt and a person that is of higher education such as as we look into the word of God as a Luke being a physician uh, in the medical field uh, he has been also noted to be said uh, to be someone that has uh, could have written the book of Hebrews so it really heightens your uh, level uh, but it doesn't it doesn't also doesn't take away from individuals that are looking to have some things imparted into them and to begin to learn uh, from the word of God and the and I want to throw this in here the when we deal with counseling in the body of Christ uh, it is uh, it is something of uh, the fivefold ministry uh, is it falls under teaching so when we are in our sessions we're actually teaching whether as we heard from the suicide and I hate I missed that yesterday uh, but we got a good earful today and uh, and so we we praying for you as you as your journey for your for your brother yeah and so uh, so when we're in our sessions and we're have these things going on as far as the word of God counseling with people we're teaching how to use the word of God in effective ways okay and many people live life that lives that are frustrated right they're frustrated because they they don't understand why they're going through these things and I'm trying to get too far ahead of myself uh, but we don't understand why we're still dealing with these things you say, well, I've, I've, I'm in church. I, I have the Holy Ghost. I, I've, you know, I've gotten my Book of Acts experience. I've gotten all this stuff that I should be okay. So why am I still dealing with all of these things? And you know, it, it, it is a lot to it. But once it's broken down to an individual, and just like that math teacher, that you never understood math before until you had that teacher, right? And that's what a counselor does from that perspective, where they begin to help you understand some things that you didn't understand before, and you're like, oh, okay. And then you fall in love with math, right? Then you fall in love with the Word of God, yeah. all right? One of the, one, two, two things that, that's hard for people that I've found over the years uh, to, uh, to be able to face in a session that they're mad at someone has passed away and that they're mad at God. If you're going to have a relationship with someone, you want it to be real. If you, same thing, if you're going to have a relationship with God, you want it to be real. Because one thing about God, he already knows where we are. When he asked Adam, Adam, where, where you at? God is omnipresent, 
alumni science, you know, omniscient, however you want to pronounce that, he is everywhere, and you think he didn't know where Adam was. He knows exactly where we are. He just wants, he wants us to reveal ourselves. And once we reveal ourselves, the pressure's off of us because God already knows. It's just in his mercy, in his loving kindness, which is the same thing initially. And so you, he is drawing us, not condemning us. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. He's drawing us by his mercies because we get enough of that already. We talk down to ourselves. We're talked to doubt, talk down to ourselves, right? Until we begin to be reprogrammed, all right, uh, of how not to do that to ourselves and, and the detriment of, of what it does to us as individuals, what it does to you, what, what you're actually, as we are collectively, or we are doing to ourselves when we talk to ourselves in ways that were not meant for us to speak to ourselves. And so really we don't understand the poison that we're putting into our uh, forward progress, okay? Whether it's our relationship with God or your, your relationship with whomever, with yourself. And the second greatest, the, sec, the, the, the greatest thing we can do as Christian counselors is simply to love, your, teach you to love your neighbor as yourself, okay? As I always say, if you can't love yourself, you can't love anybody else. As Paul says in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, no matter what you do, you can understand all mysteries, you can uh, speak the tongues of men and angels, have all this knowledge, and, and just, just be gifted, right? But unless you have charity, which is still agape, right? Unless you have charity, you can not do anything but be a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. Right? Street terms, they would say, well, you fake. Right? You're not real. And, and it's not that you're not trying to be. Even if you give your body to be burned, as Paul said. You mean, I do all of that and I'm still not where I need to be? Because there are things that happen to us in life. There are things, so many things that happen to us that we bring into, we bring into the church, right? We bring along in our relationships. I remember uh, counseling uh, uh, this, uh, I did some, some uh, contract work for counseling uh, service. And, you know, I left there and, and all that I do since about 1996 or so, I did for free. And then the Lord had to have some colleagues said, no, kick me in the tail. I said, no, you know, you need to charge for that. <laughs> okay. And so I said, okay, well, you know, so they said, well, what you're giving them is not just, and that's just my pastor's heart. And I had to pray through, <laughs> okay, because it was tough for me to, to charge someone. Uh, people would call me and I would help them for hours. And uh, that's just, that's just what I would do. Uh, but no matter what we're going to, uh, oh, with counseling with this, uh, this couple, when I, I worked there and then they uh, end up marrying them, she sought after me to, to marry them and I, we just premarital counseling. Well, the things that we dealt with in regards to that, uh, we, uh, I dealt with straight point out abuse, 
you know, did you, were any of you abused? Because we talk about finances uh, in regards to premarital counseling, and that's, those things are good, but there are other dynamics that come to the table, okay? No matter where you come from or what, no matter the education that you garner, right, it, it, it does not change who you are at, at, at your core. And who is that, right? There's people that's figuring out who they are at 40 and 50 and 60 years old because they've never dealt with the abuse. All right, they've never dealt with the things that are really making them who they are. But, but to date, that's who they thought they were, okay? But that's not who they are because they have never had a chance to be who they actually are. Because those things do not define us. When we come to, when we come to God, right? Or if we're just living life and we say, I got my master's, I got my PhD, I got my my THD, my whatever, all kind of Ds, right? I got all that stuff, but yet and still, I'm still dealing with these, you still see the traits of, of a person that's been abused. You see the, the, the rejection uh, from a parent, abandonment issues, or different things. I've, I've counseled people with that, doctors and different things as well. So just, so you see, although, they, although we get all of those degrees, and some of the people are getting with that particular couple, she was a master's getting ready to work on her PhD, PhD, and then we begin to talk, as we begin to point these things out to her, she said, you know, uh, I felt like I was dealt with with those things uh, already. We talked about the abuse and how she was born and different things like that. And actually she was conceived out of presumed rape, okay? and. And so this, this type of situation where she's grown up and the mom always always have this level of shame that she's constant, this hate that she's throwing at the child because she doesn't like what happened to her, right? So the child is being thrown into that mix, okay? And so now she grows up, so now she goes, she gets her degree, she gets her, uh, she gets all these different degrees and she's successful in the sight of, of other people, but inside, you, you're still dying on the inside, right? Because all of the education, no matter if it's theology, no matter if it's, if it's secular, if, we, if what we learn does not help us, no matter who we help, right? We, we're missing this, love our neighbor as ourselves. We have to learn to love us first, right? So opposed to head knowledge, we need revelatory knowledge. Even in the secular world, now I can't speak on that term because I'm, I'm on the other side, but I, but I also use some secular tools as well. But the things that, and we, we see people with higher education with lack of resolve, okay? If you've done counseling any, any amount of time, right, you walk across people and you can say, Okay, yeah, I've seen people like that. And they lack their resolve, they lack, and we're gonna get into that in just a moment. Uh, I hadn't planned to say all of this, but I am just wanna be obedient because this is, the, this is one of the things that, that makes uh, the, the impact of spirituality on, ment on mental health is the spirit of God that moves, right? So it's not just 
us being in the session like on the secular counselor oh you lost me uh it's it's uh see i talk loud so it's about having that guidance of the spirit of god this is this is this is not to i want to say this is not bible uh beating bible thumping and I make that very clear when people come into our sessions, even when they're okay with with uh, with, uh, with count with uh, Christian counsel. I make it very uh, very sure they understand this is not Bible thumping. We're not Bible thumpers here, okay? But what we want to do is help you use the Word of God effectively, okay? And this is and this is the reason we read the Word of God, we study the Word of God, but if we don't, if we're not if we're not getting, if we don't know how to use it in an effective manner, there is, uh, there's that frustration again, all right? But let's, let's go back, I'm gonna get to my, uh, back to my lesson here in just a moment. But in this particular, okay, in this particular uh, case, uh, where we look at the individual, she got all of her degrees that she wanted, and she's going to get more, most likely. And I share these things. We can do this legally. I don't. I protect the individual. I don't give the names or, or you know, things like that. But it, when we give these type of uh, these type of experiences, it helps the the future counselees or the counselees at, at at play or the people that we're speaking to. It helps them identify with things in their own lives. They begin to hear some things that, that they were dealing with. They begin to understand some things that, that they were dealing with. Let's get back here to my, to my lesson. All right. Say bye-bye to the freeways. <laughs> Is this all right today? Yes. All right. All right, so parts of the man and, and, and Christian counsel, okay? So, very simply put, the, the parts of the man, what is the parts of the man? Body. Okay. So, body, soul, and spirit. Okay. So, body, soul, and spirit. All right. Now, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23, it says, And the very God of peace sanctify holy, you holy, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, that's First Thessalonians five twenty-three. Okay, uh, it's it's important that we begin to understand uh, these particular uh, items. Let's. Okay, so now the whole man again describes is a very. Uh, 
portion of scripture as we look at in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Okay, the following is, is recorded. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground. Okay, the Hebrew word for, for body is basar. Okay, and he breathed his nostrils into to him and he had life and man became a living soul. All right, so as God breathed into him, he became that living soul. Now, the human spirit is used here, and a man became, uh, the combine plus the spirit to form the soul. So that soul is their mind. And I, I got to step off here because I'm not a big notes guy. But what I, but what I want to help you understand is God is, he, he deals, okay. I might start walking the floor. I don't want to do that. Um, so God is, he's dealing with our body, our minds and our spirit. I'm going to give you some, some, uh, some examples. Now, I had this one counselee. He kept going to, the, the, the individual kept going to the doctor for things that he was dealing with. Okay, he kept dealing with uh, like phantom pains or, or he thought it was something really wrong with him. And, he went to different types of specialists, okay? And he was like, you know, there's something wrong with me. And so the doctor kept telling him and all the different specialists, sir, there's nothing wrong with you. And as we continue our sessions, then there came a day when he began to deal with things that he never told anyone before, okay? He began to deal with things, it began to come to him uh, things that were causing him panic attacks and, and, and all, all these other symptoms that he was having. And so as we begin to deal with those things, in that particular week, we had like three sessions, okay? Because the first one, he got, he got help for what he needed with, with, the, with the panic attack because it was so severe that he had to pull over, okay? And his, and his wife was saying, you know, babe, you need to calm down, right? You need to... Stop going there, all right? So it was that, that severe, okay? And that was something that normally doesn't happen to him. But what it was, the things that he needed to talk about was brought to the surface. And as we dealt with things in that particular uh, session, uh, the gentleman, the, the panic, once we left the session, the panic attacks ceased. Now, one thing about individuals when they are taking medications uh, from a psychiatrist or from a doctor. One thing I never try to do is, I never do is tell them you need to stop the medication, right? That's not my choice to do that. If they get a resolve and the resolve begins to uh, help a lot of these signs to move out the way that they're having, all these symptoms, okay, if that happens, I say, you continue to take your medication until the doctor takes you off. Let him know what you're feeling, and then he can wean you off 
if he needs to or if he wants to. Why is that? Because I've also had situations where I had individuals that, uh, that wouldn't take their medications, okay? What happens, anybody seen a person that doesn't take their medication like they're supposed to or stop cold turkey? Okay, this particular young man was pulling up stop signs, right? And he eventually was in the news for pulling uh, a machete on his family, okay? Now, all these were not connected in, in the same time span, but these are the things that was happening in his life, okay? Uh, all because he wouldn't take his medications. Uh, and and so, so one thing we never tell individual that you should stop your medication, that's not my job, okay? If I'm not a person that's prescribing those medications, that's not my job to wean them off or suggest, suggest that I, I know how to do the dosage. That, that's, not, that's not my scope. One thing we have to understand is we must stay in our lanes, right? Because we can hurt some people, okay? If I feel I can't help someone, then I'm going to send them to someone that, that can get the help. Okay, if, if I can't, if, if the person, let's just say an individual that has been like, like your, if you don't mind, you, you mentioned your mother earlier, right? I have a simple uh, situation kind of similar to that and it sparked my mind. Is that, is it, you okay? Okay, so it, this particular individual, they, uh, they were hurt by Christians, right? So no matter what they did, it was, it was very difficult for them to receive because we were of the same faith, right? So what I told the individual when we first started, I said, listen, I know you've been through a lot of stuff, but before she told me anything, I can, I can read it, okay? Before anyone gets to my sessions, my counselees, I know what they're dealing with before I get there. Okay, and, and, and so this particular, you know, she had the rage, she had the, 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 the anger management type of stuff going on, the, but the, the heightened rage, okay, the control factor. You know, when people are angry, they want to control, control things. And so in this particular case, uh, I said, I'm, I'm not those people. Give me a chance to be me. Because we have a lot of, I hate to say it like this, but ministry that didn't understand things years ago and they have hurt a lot of people. They meant well, well, they wanted you to be saved or some may have had some unresolved issues. Okay? And if they have unresolved issues, they're going to minister those unresolved issues. Same thing in a counselor. Whether it's secular, you know, if you have unresolved issues in, if we have unresolved issues in our lives, then we're going to cross that over to our counselee. That's going to mess, be with our belief system. But are we there to listen? Or are we to, to give active listening, reflective listening, and help guide them to where they need to be, right? Asking the right questions? Or are we putting our belief systems on them? Which one is right, 
right? Are we there to help them to be the best version of themselves? Or are we there to live vicariously through someone else, right? So we're there to, that's why it's important for us to have the active listening, to have the listening skills. And we'll get into some of those in, in just a moment. But to have those skills that not only to be, and that's why we said we're not Bible thumpers, but you, when you have trained skills and counseling, like you come to a, uh, these sessions that you're coming to over the last two days, you begin to get some skills. You begin to be empowered, right? That doesn't make you a, a, a therapist or a counselor, right? But you do know, you, you, on a certain level, you learn how to help individuals, right? To a certain degree, just like with the Q, QPR, Right. You, you learn those things to a certain degree. And when you can't help, then you say, well, let me get you to someone that can help you because I've done all I know how to do and all I probably need to do. So let's get you over here. OK, so we have to understand our, our lane. Uh, same thing. I'm also a pastor. When I'm in a counseling session, I'm not someone's pastor. Unless they someone that goes to my church. Okay, but I draw the lines. Why? There's ethical things involved in there, right? If I'm counseling someone that goes to someone else's church, okay, that's not my job. My job is to gear her towards or him towards their pastor, right? Not to uh, override his authority, right? Because if I'm doing that, am I helping them? No, I'm not helping them at all. I'm actually making them worse. I'm actually feeding into the problem and I actually need to refer them to someone else, okay? It's not about, oh, I gotta help them, I gotta help them. No, it's if, if with this situation with, with, with the individual that had the anger management things and the rage because of things that were unresolved and things that happened, which was a lot of things, I said, you know what? I said, I got her to this is, this is how I know I did my job. She thought it was her idea, <laughs> okay? Because I didn't direct and say, you need to do this, you need to do that. No, 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 no. I asked questions. Well, do you think, well, would this be, and, and with suggestion, just getting her to a place where she can go to a secular counselor? Why? Because she's been hurt by Christians, so she's, and the, the lot of things that I'm, I'm going to use is going to be the same things that he's going to use or she's going to use, right? And how do I know? They come back and they tell me, so you, they, you, you sound like my other therapist that I had years ago. Well, yeah, because we're using the same tools, okay? Different premise as far as that, that extra element of the word of God. But at the same time, that person is not associated. She can't say, oh, he's just a, a Christian. Because it's what it is, I'm not doing anything to her, but my very presence triggers the hurt. It triggers, and so she responds out of that trigger. Am I, am I making sense? And so it's, it's like the young lady that's been abused, right? So you, 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 you're around her, you, you, you're a male, you remind them of your, the, her uncle that, that took advantage of her or her stepdad, and something triggers, and when that happens, you're not in a safe place. You're in trouble, right? So it's time to use some professionalism, whether either refer them to someone else or have someone else in the session with you to guard your license or to guard your ministry, 
right? Because it's not your fault, it's just a trigger. You may not even recognize at first what the trigger is, but when you start to recognize the trigger, it's time for us to use wisdom. So in this particular case, referred that individual out, got the help that they need, came back to me, and I said, you remember when I told you this, this, and that, and the other? Because they eventually came back to me, right? And I said, she said, yes. I said, you couldn't receive that at the time, but you see it now, don't you? And you know, I was, I'm, I was overjoyed for the individual. Why? Because she got the help she needed. When we're doing counseling with a person, is it about us or is it about the individual? It's never about us. All right? So if it's, if, if, if it's about us, then we need to wonder why we're doing this. We got the wrong reasons. Okay? Or what are we getting out of it? All right? So, uh, you know, not, now we need to pay our bills and get paid and do that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about do we feel like we're somebody because we, you know, we're doing this or that. Or are we getting, we giving people the help they need? So to the point that if you can't help the person that you're not going to be pri prideful, like some people say, well, if I can't help you, just die right here. Anybody seen that? Nobody seen that? Good, I'm glad. Because I have whether it's ministry or whatever the case, if, if I can't help someone, let's get them to someone that, that can. That's the love of God. Okay, whether you're secular or if you're, if you're a social worker, if you're, if you're a psychiatrist, if you are uh, whatever we may be, uh, psychologists, uh, you, we all can still be Christian counselors because the highest thing in Christian counseling is, is the word of God, okay? That's our highest authority, all right? And I'm going to get to some of these here. And I'm just going gonna, gonna to start reading down so you can get your, your, so you can take good notes on there. And then I'm going to interject where I need to, okay? So the parts of a man in Christian counseling, uh, why Christian counseling is unique. The Bible is the final standard of authority, it depends on the power of the, of the Holy Spirit and the Christian, okay? And that leads us also to, if we don't, maybe we've never heard of the Holy Ghost, okay? Maybe we never, uh, you know, know that we needed the Holy Ghost, okay? We have to look at the Word of God and say, is this something I need? If I'm saying that I, I'm a Christian, do I have what they did in the Bible, that's all. You look at the word of God and you say, okay, am I doing that? Okay. And a good place to start is the history of the church. History of the church is the book of Acts. All right. Now, it deals with uh, all time factors in, in a problem. A person might be facing past, present, and future. I teach a message on living fully in your present, okay? Forgetting those things that are behind and pressing on towards the things that are before I press towards the mark or the prize of the high calling. You can't live fully in your present when you're stuck in your past. What, what is that stuck in your past? Same thing, we come to, we come to uh, 
if someone's coming to Christ, if someone's in the kingdom, okay, they say, I'm dealing with all this stuff. Now, what is that stuff we're dealing with? Is this white wall, we see the white wall here. Good. This is how God sees us clean. But when we start putting all type of spots on here, okay, that's not what God is seeing. That's our memories. The memories, and this is where transformation comes into place, right? It's, it's, it's a very clinical thing, right? Because even uh, you understand that we have to have uh, the retraining of the mind with cognitive therapy. We have to retrain the mind, retrain the thinking. And we think of, of poison phrases, right? You begin to uh, put chinks in your own armor by the words you speak to yourself, by the words you speak to your children. A bad word in our, in our house, oh, a couple of bad words. They like cuss words to, to my children. Stupid, shut up, okay? Uh, those, those are, so when we start, you, you've been told all your life when you were a child, you're dumb, you're, you're stupid, you're not gonna be anything but barefoot and pregnant. That's shaming. Shaming is never okay. That is not something that, that is not something that should be ever accepted. But in our society, we've been raised with that level of shame in our lives. We've been raised with it. Why, why do you say we've been raised with it? It's like the person that has the hams. Some people might start chuckles. They heard about my ham story. But with the ham, one day a child was going to, uh, was asking, Mom, why do we chop the ham off, the ends off the ham, when we put it in the pot? He said, I don't know. I have to go ask Grandma. Okay? And Grandma said, you know, maybe when, back in the day, we, we didn't have a pan that was big enough, so we had to chop the ends off. <laughs> so what they've been doing for years with big enough pans, they've been chopping the ends off and throwing those pieces of ham away. Well, those who know how to cook, sister, you know how to cook. What do you do with the ends of that ham? There you go, some beans, some greens. <laughs> she know what to do with it. I know, she, 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 I know. If my sisters were here, they'd be right there with you. All right? So you're going to season that water with, with, them, with them ends, okay? With them hog mogs, all right? I'm, I'm about to start jerking up in here. <laughs> all right so so all these years generations three generations they've been chopping off the ends and throwing them away but when they had a big enough pan why because that's what they've always seen that's what it's that's what's been done and this is why the highest authority is the word of god why because with psychology we think of our own conscience right but when we think of the word of God, we think of the way God thinks of it, right? Okay, so he knows what we need. The heart is deceitful, desperately wicked, who can know it? Okay, so as we look at uh, our self-worth, see, it has a, has a lot to do. So if we think of our own conscience, so let's say if, if a, a situation with a, with a man that, that had a uh, situation where he, when he saw his wife, uh, she, 
Oh, okay, let's see if we got any little kids in here. No, we don't. Okay, when, the, when he saw his wife, he got ashamed because he saw her naked, okay? And that was his culture. So he's like, I couldn't be naked in front of her, I can't be naked. And, and that's too strict, right? So what he has to be is retrained in his mind, in his thinking, because he's doing what he's always seen. He's doing what he's always done, right? Like some people might think a whooping is, 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 is going upside someone's head, okay? That's not what was intended for, that's, that's abuse, okay? So we're just doing what was what we seen, same thing as someone grows. And most times when we, uh, when we counsel people that has had abuse, usually it's generational. Unless cousin or someone else happened over someone's house or something like that. But usually it's generational. And it's a generational pattern. Okay? Someone somewhere has to break that pattern. Will it be us? Will it be our generation, right? To break that pattern. It doesn't have to continue, right? Same thing, witchcraft. Those patterns, I consider you an adult now, so don't worry about it. Those, those patterns, I hope I'm not running over here. Those patterns are, are things that need to be broken, that can be broken. And how we break those things is what resolve, okay? Let me get to my, my thing here. I got to get here because I'm just, I'm just flowing with you here. Now, those memories that we have, those are condemning us. Those are paralyzing us, spiritually paralyzed, paralysis, right? So you have to teach yourself. How are you going to teach yourself, with your own conscience or with the highest authority? Now, we, in cognitive training, we deal with uh, teaching with power words. But when you look at a list of power words, noun, and, and, and all these different things like that, you're going to see the word of God is full of power words, right? Full of verses that have power words, okay? And so we got to recognize that this is not how God sees us with the spots. This is how God sees us. So when you have those seasons in your life when things are coming to the surface and you have a spot in your feast, could it be, what if God was telling you or something was telling you that this needs to be removed? Same thing when you get a piece of glass in your foot. Something tells you that that needs to be removed. Are you going to continue to walk on it? No, you're like... Get out my foot. Mommy helped me, right? And so, so you, you're going to get rid of those things. Because if that's not how God is seeing you, why are you seeing yourself that way? So a person, look at a person that, said, that believes. Let's just say a person that believes that all my sins are washed away, right? I've been washed in the blood, okay? And, and they're still having these memories, and they think this is what God is saying to them. What do you think they're going to be? Anybody got a word for that? Confused? Depressed? Double-minded? Frustrated? Angry? Unconsciously at God? You said you saved me. Why am I still dealing with this? Because we need to, that's why it's so important to, and this is one thing we have 
our counselors do to try to read the word of God through at least once a year. It will be a transformational experience because we get things in us that we need. The Holy Ghost, he says the Holy Spirit will bring things back to our remembrance. How is he going to bring anything to your remembrance when you don't put anything in? Okay, and so we're not depending on our own strength, but we're depending on something that's greater than us. It's like if I had an empty water bottle, which I don't, which I probably need, because I need some water. Don't worry about that. But what, if I had an empty water bottle, and I set it up here, a, sci, a, a, a chemistry teacher did this one day. He set it up in the class. It gets real cold in those big classes, right? And so it begins to crush. Why is it crushing? Because the pressure on the inside is not greater than the pressure on the outside. But when it's filled up with water, the atmospheric pressure does not crush it because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When you understand that the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. All right, let's move on. It is based on God's love. You got all that? Okay, y'all probably took good notes on that. Uh, it has universal application to all people of all cultures. Okay? It deals with all components of man, physical, psychological, and spiritual. Okay. What are the basic, uh, what are the basic essentials to Christian counseling? Man without Christ is lost. Man without Christ is incomplete. Man is depraved. Man is under spiritual attack. And how is he attacking us? With our mind. With those memories. What is, uh, when you look at those memories, it brings about a verdict for you, right? Saying that I'm, I'm this, I'm that. What is also when you say I'm a failure, I'm a mistake, what is that saying to you? That's a form of poison phrases as in cognitive training. But in regards to the, the word, you're shaming yourself. Whether, whether it's clinical, whether it's, whether it's uh, Christian counseling or whether it's secular counseling, it's still shaming. And shaming is what we do to ourselves every single day. So you wonder why you keep taking uh, two steps forward and ten steps back. You got memories that you've learned to live. You learn to live with that limp. But what does a doctor do? When you go to and you, you, your, your bone is healed, uh, has a malunion, what does he do? He re-breaks it, then he puts it together, and then what happens? It heals properly. Same thing when you come into counseling. When they come into it, I, I explain these things to them uh, along those lines, and so it's time to re-break it and set it back so it can heal properly. Now, you don't have to walk the rest of your life in the, with a limp, with pain, not able to run and bend down with your children. It's a fix. I know it's going to get a little churchy. Hold on. Jesus can fix it, right? Yes, but it, it's, 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 a, it's a fix. It's not something that you have to live with for the rest of your life. Those things of torment, 
Fear brings what? Torment. Whether in church or out of church, whether you're secular or, or Christian, fear does the same thing. It brings about torment. Okay? Panic attacks, right? With, with that gentleman, once he got all these different things, he started revealing things, secrets that nobody else knew about. Guess what? All those symptoms that, the, that he was telling the doctor that was there, they went away. Because after one session, we got that. Next session, oh, I never told anybody about this either. Then the next one, I never told anyone about this either. Guess what? That was a powerful week for him. And what is it, the, the presence of the Spirit of God in there, he helps him with that. He searched, searches his mind, searches his spirit, right? It's time for us to be real with ourselves. If we're lying to ourselves, we're not being real. We're not, we can't be, expect to be made whole. That's the importance of truth in a session. Now let's get, let's get uh, so man is sinful. Let's go to the next one. I want to make sure you get all these. Uh, secular counseling versus uh, Christian counseling. Now this is not to put up boxing gloves with secular counselors. Okay, take the information. If you can use it, use it. If you can't, okay, that's fine. It's okay. All right, now. Now these are general limitations of uh, secular psychology and secular school of psychology. Limitations of secular school of psychology, general, spir uh, spiritual, no uh, standard of authority, uh, willpower uh, can be significant. Okay, you see all the scriptures there. Man is basically selfish. Okay, the heart is uh, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Okay, limited to the, the psych uh, psychological. All right, now let's get to uh, are there limitations in Christian counseling? Okay, lack of training, lack of experience, uh, which is why we are here at this, at this conference, ministering from a premise of possible unresolved personal issues. By the way, what you shared earlier about, it was something I was planning on doing at a grocery store with putting up a table, and yeah, thank you. Now, in regards to suicide, so, uh, or a person is a, is a, can be a novice pertaining to the word of God. Now, all these are not equal. They're not all the same. Don't have to be all the same person. Okay? Uh, but just because we are schooled in, in psychology doesn't make us a student in the word of God. Okay? Even Paul, with all that he knew, okay, he had to go spend time alone to get revelation. And from his knowledge, he gives us three-fourths of powerful instruction and education in the New Testament. All right, let's finish this up here. Uh, secular counseling versus Christian counseling. What are some counseling techniques from, the, uh, from a biblical perspective? Counseling techniques from the Bible. Advice. Encouragement. And you see all the scriptures there. Support. Education letters of Paul. I'm not going to say it. Confession. <laughs> Positive verbal reinforcement. Modeling Christ and the disciples, Paul and Timothy. If we will use the word of God with what it's intended to do, I'm going to say it. There's no psychologist that, I, that I've heard, read, mentored by, that can touch the word of God. 
none of these can touch Paul. They can't touch Paul. Paul is off the charts. With the knowledge that you have, even from a secular perspective, when you begin to get into the word of God and begin to see you like, it is there. It is all there. And what I like to say, God said it first. Every time. All right, let's, get, let's, let's finish up. Um, uh, are you okay? I apologize. Okay, now, we deal with the, uh, the tridactic and, and the didactic. Didactic is basically the, uh, a professional relationship between counselee and counselor, uh, where the counselor provides guidance in resolving personal conflicts and emotional challenges. While such an approach can prove effective in addressing mental and emotional issues, it does not take into account matters related to one's spirit. Okay? Come on. All right, so comparatively, the crux of Christian counseling is uh, triadactic. It means there in the session, as we said earlier, there's a counselee or the patient, whichever you want to call them, and then there's the, the minister, and the minister can be a psychiatrist, uh, you know, whoever social worker, all of them can be from secular work and be can be a Christian counselor. If you are someone that has knowledge of the word of God that that is a Christian, so to speak, you can you very well so utilize your school your tools. Okay? We need tools. And this is another reason why this conference is very important. We need tools. And this is why uh, the word of God has been deemed non-effective and, and people have used it in abusive ways over the years because we lack tools in the body of Christ. And counseling is on the rise in the body of Christ over the last probably decade, all right? Why? Because we realize we need the tools. We must have the tools and not just have barbaric uh, uh, ways of, doing, uh, of ministering the word of God. We need skill. Okay, if you're going to play the instrument skillfully to worship God, how much more handling the word of God? All right, let's move on. Now, this is something I, I brought up earlier I said we would get to. I'm, I'm jumping down to arousing. A person that is a uh, ministry of Christian counseling must do more than address mental and emotional issues. They must be specifically trained and experienced in arousing belief that help be, uh, beyond this world is possible, possible uh, correcting thinking and behavior that is not in line with scripture, assisting the counselee with development of competencies in social living, helping the counselee see themselves as God sees them and to accept themselves as a person of worth. Your one misnomer that people have, and I'm not, if you don't, this is something that I say. I've never met you, so I don't know, most of you. So your self-worth does not come from, my self-worth doesn't come from what I think of myself. My self-worth doesn't come, or your self-worth doesn't come from what others think about you. Because it may be false premise. They don't know what you're thinking. Your self-worth comes from what the word of God says about you. Okay, because you may have an overinflated ego. Okay, you may have superiority complex, which was by definition, that means you really feel inferior. Okay, so 
If you, it's not about what you think about yourself. It's what the word of God thinks of you. That's why we can have a balance. We don't have to be up here or down here. We could be right where God needs us. Now, if people have a problem with what God thinks about us, then that's their problem. And most likely, their attitude is from a premise of whatever they've been through in life. And you can't help that. The only person you can help is you. Now, the importance of truth in the session, we talked about that, identifying the crisis, uh, getting a resolve, uh, repentance, forgiveness. We heard about that uh, a little bit yesterday by Bishop Hodges. Uh, Matthew 6, 15 and 16 uh, unless you, uh, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you your trespasses. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you yours. So if you are, if you are an individual that doesn't want to forgive, you're only hurting yourself. Okay. Okay. Forgiveness helps two people. I'm, I'm, I'm about done here. Helps two people: the person forgiving, the person being forgiven. And it also helps with the removal of shame. And I'm going to give you one story here, one short story. Uh, there was a, a, peop, a person that was involved in ministry, and she, this is her story, uh, not mine, but she, uh, they were evangelists and they began to be pastors, bishops, and so forth. And she was abused as a child by her uncle. Now, she, uh, along the lines how I generally teach, you know, some of these things in regards to shame the minister was talking about those things. Uh, and she got a resolve at the altar with it, with, from that. Now, when she, her uncle was in, the, in that coma, so the family went over to the hospital after that, and everybody went out, she whispered into his ear, and she just said to him, I forgive you. And the monitor started going off, and he woke up. What happened? Forgiveness helped her, and forgiveness helped him. Powerful. The power of forgiveness. I don't have time for that one. All right. Any, oh, goodness. Take a picture. Yeah, <laughs> take, take a picture. Uh, this, is, uh, this is the last thing here. The importance of resolve from a biblical perspective. The importance of the removal of shame. What shame can produce when present in persons, anxiety, depression, uh, alienation, self-doubt, loneliness, isolation, paranoia, compulsive disorders, perfectionism, inferiority, inadequacies, failure, helplessness, which continually, uh, continuously spiral us down into defeatism and, uh, and spiritual and emotional and mental paralysis. Shame produces narcissism. What is narcissism? It's a psycho uh, psychological condition characterized by self-preoccupation, lack of empathy, and un unconscious deficits of self-esteem, okay? Shame speaks a verdict to us. It's synonymous with condemnation. When we have condemnation, we have judged ourselves unforgivable, unredeemable, and unlovable. My friend, that is shame. And this is the impact, the things that we've shared here, the impact of a spirituality, not just from any old spiritual base, but from the highest authority in the land. Now, whether an individual will believe that or not, it's up to, it's up to the individual to decide what you believe. It's all about our choice and the choices we make. 
God doesn't make us choose. It's about your choice. And so we're not here to make you believe any way. You take the information and you decide what you believe. All right? Because you, when it's all said and done, if you think it's your idea, I've done my job. 